Philippians 2, Part 3, from the sermon series, Contagious Joy, spoken by Pastor IJ. What is going on, Metro Community Church? My name's Injun, but many of you know me as IJ. I'm the pastor of our youth ministry and college-age small group. I am finally hitting my quarter-life crisis tomorrow, baby! Woo! But although I'm the youngest pastor at this church, I've actually learned a lot of life lessons. And, there, and one of the many life lessons I learned is that there is one and one inescapable reality. And I want to share that with you today. And that one inescapable reality, that's the heart of God. During the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, because we're still in it, the heart of God was an inescapable reality in the face of our first responders, specifically our healthcare workers who gave up their life, served tireless hours to serve a people undeserving. Throughout our American history, the heart of God, it was in the face of our black brothers and sisters. Did you realize, I mean, by now you should know the horrific um, history of slavery and, and the horrific history of racism that has been uh, put upon our black brothers and sisters. But there has never, in the time of our American history, there has never been a black terrorist group. There have been a white terrorist group, it's called KKK, saying, I'm better than you. But the black community, they were broken and bruised. They were beaten. They were stripped of their dignity and humanity but never have they ever sought dominance and saying, I'm better than you. But rather, they exemplify the heart of God. The black community in this country, they exemplified selflessness by standing for other oppressed groups, even when those oppressed groups didn't stand for them. The black community exemplifies sacrificial love because they don't, choose to hate, but they actually refuse to hate, and they chose to love. They are the heart of God. Selflessness and sacrificial love, that is the heart of God. But in a world full of sin and brokenness, even selflessness and sacrificial love, something so good like that, it's skewed. And it has become a commodity for people to possess but today, what I want to remind you is that heart of God, it's not a commodity you possess, but it is someone we pursue. In today's passage from Philippians, I want to go deeper into exactly what is the heart of God? What does selflessness and sacrificial love look like? And to not just know it, not possess it, but to pursue the heart of God. We're not pursuing a white American dream. We are pursuing the heart of God. So please turn with me to Philippians 2, 19 to 30. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. All right. So Philippians 2, 19 to 30. I'm reading from the ESV. <clears throat> I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. 
I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of our Lord. Let's pray. Uh, God of grace, mercy, and love, you are the living God speaking through a living text. You're not just an existing God, but you are a living, breathing God. Lord, can you remind us today what exactly is your heart and to help us to pursue it, not possess it, but to pursue it. God, can you reveal to us that you are a God of grace, a God of mercy, and a God of love. And I pray in your son's name, amen. So just quickly, a background information about this. When you first read that, honestly, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they don't look like much. They're just two, do- they're just two dudes. But what's happening in this passage is quite astounding because a couple verses before this, in Philippians 2, 5 to 11, Apostle Paul is talking about the essence of the gospel. He's talking about what Christ did and he's talking about who God is. And right after that, he doesn't use himself as an example. He uses Timothy and Epaphroditus as the prime examples of the heart of God, which is selflessness and sacrificial love. So let's go deeper. What exactly are those things? The first point, selflessness. All right, selflessness is the heart of God. And we see Timothy as in a prime example of this. Timothy exemplifies selflessness. Verse 22 states, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. He sounds like a real incredible guy. But what is his proven worth? I'll tell you his proven worth. He served at five churches. Man, talk about a resume. That's awesome. But you have to understand that all five of these churches, I'm not going to go too much in detail, but they had their own particular challenges and own particular contexts. Some people, some of those churches, it was hard. They were giving them a hard time. It wasn't easy. But he served them, not out of bitterness, not out of self-righteousness, but he served them out of genuine love and care. That's his proven worth. And we need to ask the question, why did he do that? Why did he serve a church that was so difficult? Why did he just walk away and you do you? Why did he risk his own life and honor for a people absolutely undeserving? It's because selflessness, that's the heart of God. In Timothy, he exemplifies the heart of God. He exemplifies selflessness. So what is selflessness? Does it mean to to have an absence of self-love? Does it mean you're a doormat? By no means. Let's look at Philippians 2, 20 to 22 to define what is selflessness specifically in this passage. So Philippians 2, 20 to 22, it says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 
But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Based on what we just read, selflessness, it's a genuine concern. It's a genuine love for the other. But more than that, it's a genuine love for God. It's not about you. My mom, she's a nurse. And during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, she had to serve tireless hours as a nurse. That, yeah, that's a picture of her. She's mad dope. But um, just like many other frontline workers, um, she wasn't just dealing with the medical pandemic. She was also dealing with the racial pandemic. Could you imagine as an Asian woman working in Brooklyn, could you imagine the, the, the things she had to endure, the people she had to serve who didn't really give her a thank you, but were actually spewing a lot of uh, trash on her? But my mom, I have ne- throughout this whole time, I've never heard her complain. I've never heard her talk smack about people. I've never heard her talk about me, me, me. It was all with joy. And she had such a genuine love for the people she serves. My mom is the epitome of selflessness in my life. Church, a way to exemplify selflessness, right? Because it's not, I want to make this clear. My mom, Timothy, they don't possess a particular quality. But to exemplify such selflessness and and a a way to do that for us as the church, we we need to listen, lament, and learn to the communities that are hurting and then launch our voices not only for them but with them. Thoughts and prayers, that's fluffy and nice, but that's not enough. An example that I gave earlier is that throughout American history, the black community exemplified selflessness. Specifically, they exemplified Christ's selflessness. A lot of people don't know this, and a lot of times uh, media tries to pit minority groups against each other. But the black community all throughout American history They spoke out against such racist rhetoric and racist laws, not only for their own group, but for others. People don't know this, but Frederick Douglass, he's a prominent speaker, a writer. He's an abolitionist. Frederick Douglass, he actually spoke out against the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. And that's just one thing that the black community did even when other communities didn't stand for them. Till this day, many of our Asian American brothers and sisters, we don't stand, we don't speak out for our black community, but that didn't stop them from being selfless. Why? Because that's the heart of God. They know the heart of God. Unfortunately for many of us, we still have a strong resistance to do such a thing. But I want to challenge you with this statement. When you are in a place of power and privilege, equality feels like oppression. When you're in a place of power and privilege, listening and lamenting, being selfless and caring for other communities, that feels like oppression. One way we as Metro Community Church, we can exemplify Christ's selflessness, it's by attending sacred space on July 19th. It's a time for us as a church to come together to uh, have these conversations about racial justice. But more than that, it's to lament and listen 
it's not to people out there, but they're people in your church. July 19th, make it. Youth group kids, make it. College students, make it. Rest of the church, you make it. July 19th. It is easy to make it about ourselves. It's easy to say, me, me, me. And actually, the world's going to applaud you for that. Yeah, you do you. You deserve it. But that's not the heart of God. Timothy's selflessness and genuine care is not something to be praised in and of itself. All right? Like I said, it's not a quality that he and he alone possesses. Timothy's selflessness, it points to someone greater. It's because that's Christ, what Christ has done for us. Jesus actually emptied himself for the world. Why can't we do that for one another? Jesus emptied his power and privilege for the world. Why can't we do that for one another? The second point of, this, of the heart of God is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love is also the heart of God. And we see this in Ep Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus exemplifies sacrificial love. And there's two things about sacrificial love I, I really want to go deep into. The first is that sacrificial love, it's a daily death. Uh, one day, you know, as I was doing ministry, I just hit a rock bottom. And I was just so broken. And I went to my dad, uh, just giving context. He's a Korean Presbyterian pastor. And I was just being really vulnerable with him, really emotional. And I was just at the brink of tears. And I'm like, Dad, this is so tiring. This is so lonely. This is so suffocating. And I, I, I mean, like, he was kind of giving me a look like, did you not know that from looking at my life? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I will never forget what he said to me. When I brought that up to him, you know what he said to me? He laughed. <laughs> and he told me, you need to die. <laughs> And, but as, as funny as that is, there is some deep, profound truth to that. It's because sacrificial love, it's a daily death. Look at verse 27 and verse 30. Epaphroditus, he was more than willing to die for the work of Christ and for others. This is not a one-time thing, folks. This is a daily requirement. Jesus Christ said, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, not once, but daily, sacrificial love, it's a daily death. Bible fun fact. So in the gospel narratives, when you look at Jesus, Jesus actually names demons. That's so interesting. Like, why would you name a demon? Just cast it out. I don't want to talk to a demon. But in the Bible, naming things in the Bible, it gives you power over them. Folks, if we don't name our idols and put it to death, one day those idols, it's going to name you. So let's name some idols and let's put it to death. The first idol is the idolatry of power and control. This idea, I need to have everything under control. If this pandemic taught us anything, it's that you have no power, you have no control over life. But so many of us till this day, we long to have power and control over how we worship God more than actually worshiping God. Look at the churches in America. Oh my gosh, I can't go to a building. My faith is wrecked. Jesus died for a building? I thought he died for the people. Listen, church is not the building, it's the people. 
That is an idol, this idea that I need to control the way I worship God more than actually worshiping God. That's an idol. Put it to death. The second idol, importance and affirmation. I am what I produce. If you say you don't struggle with this, you lying. We live in a world that says you are what you produce. Look at every stage of your life. Every stage of your life, you're going to want to brag about your achievement, how great you are. It's okay. Just admit it. If, if it's not about what you got on your GPA, it's about what college you got into. If it's not about what college you got into, it's about how much money you make. If it's not about how much money you make, it's about who you get married to, when you get married to, how you get married to. If it's not about your spouse that you commodified, it's your kids. It's about when you have kids. If it's not about them, it's always about something else because it's this idol that I am what I produce. It's an idol. It needs to die. The third idol, intimacy and lust. I am not complete as a single. That is an idol. That's a straight up lie from the pit of hell. I want to make this very clear. You will not find intimacy and togetherness, nor will you find it purely in singleness. You only find that in the love of God. And I, I just want to encourage, I, I, want to, I want to take a little more time on this part because, you know, I, I as a single man, yo, shout out to all the singles at Metro. I feel you. Because there are times, church, it feels like it's only for married people who have kids. It doesn't feel like a place for singles. I, mean, I remember someone at, my, at our church said, dude, IJ, you're not single. You single, single. I'm like, what, what does that even mean? It's like, what the heck? What does that mean? But, and there are times singleness, it can feel like a virus. It can feel like a disease. But for those of you that pity singleness, or maybe you're single and you honestly just pity yourself. I want to remind you, Jesus Christ, he wasn't married. He didn't have kids. He didn't even have a side boo. He wasn't dating. That man was single to the core. But I don't think any of you would call him a failure, would you? I mean, if you do, let me know how that goes. I'm really curious how that's going to turn out. All of these things, they are idols. They need to die. Sacrificial love, it's a daily death. It hurts. It will absolutely hurt, but that's the heart of God. The second point of sacrificial love, what I want to talk about is that it covers where others lack. What's even more astounding, as if Epaphroditus' willingness to die for the work of Christ, as if that's not enough. Look at verse 30, specifically towards the end of verse 30. Look at verse 30. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. We live in a you-do-you you culture. People walk away when the going gets tough. A church member rubs you the wrong way, just go church shopping. We live in such a culture. You do you. I can cut you out. I don't like you. I could just be passive-aggressive. And to be honest, I'm gonna, uh, that's not wrong, but that's not the heart of God. Today, it's Communion Sunday. And Communion Sunday, it's not just about you taking some empty carbs, okay? That, that's not Communion Sunday. Communion Sunday, it's not even remembering what Christ did. It's not reminiscing about the good old times. That's not what it is. Communion Sunday, it's actually entering into who God is, who Christ is, and it's entering into the fellowship of believers, 
Another Bible fun fact. So, um, during the Last Supper, on the night that God was, Jesus was betrayed, during the Last Supper, it's so interesting. The person who walked away from the t- fellowship of believers, the person who walked away from Jesus Christ, because you do you, it was Judas. You walk away from Jesus. You walk away from your church because they rub you the wrong way. You walk away from your loved ones and you want to be all passive aggressive about it. You are no better than the betrayer of Christ. But God didn't die for you to be like Judas. God actually died so you can be like Jesus. Stay. Fight for your church. You don't like me? Good. There's a lot of days I don't like me either. Stay. Fight for your church. Love so radically, our church no longer lacks. Epaphroditus' sacrificial love, it's not something good in and of itself. It's not because he's a special guy or it's a special quality he possesses. It's because he is in pursuit of what Christ did and who Christ is. Metro, I know our church lacks a lot. But can you love this church This church that Christ died for, can you love it so radically, so sacrificially that we no longer lack in those areas? A challenge to you is can you pray so desperately, so faithfully over the places our church lacks? So we no longer lack, but we're actually abundant in those areas. Because that sacrificial love is the heart of God. Maybe some of you are thinking, this is so tiring. This is oppressive. This is unfair. This is burdensome. By the way, Pastor IJ, I thought we're on the joy series. Where's my joy? Couple weeks ago, Pastor David, he said, happiness is on happenings. But joy is an absolute gift from God. We are not entitled to joy. Joy is an absolute gift from God. If Let me tell you, church, if you walk away from this and you're like, all right, I just be more selfless and more sacrificial, then I get my joy. Listen, then joy is no longer a gift from God. It's a transaction. God is no longer the good father who gives good gifts. He's a business partner. Or better yet, he's a vending machine because you demand joy. Give it to me, God. But joy, it's an absolute gift from God. You cannot obtain it. You cannot possess it. There is no amount of goodness in yourself where you can work hard enough to get joy. It's a gift from God. And, And that gift, that joy has a name. His name is Jesus. The heart of God, church, I want to remind you, it's not character traits. It's not qualities you possess. The heart of God is a person you pursue. You think the black community exemplified selflessness because they possess selflessness and other people groups don't? No, it's because they were looking to Jesus. They were pursuing the God behind selflessness. They were able to exemplify selflessness because they're in pursuit of the God of selflessness. God, Jesus, the great liberator, that not even white evangelicalism can stop them. 
Timothy exemplified selflessness because he was in pursuit of the God of selflessness. Epaphroditus, he exemplified sacrificial love because he's in pursuit of the God of sacrificial love. You need to look to Jesus, pursue Jesus. That's my concluding point for you is look to the servant, the perfect servant of joy who is more than just a servant of joy. He's actually the author of joy. Three weeks ago, we had a college-age Bible study. And um, I asked a question to my kids. I'm like, why do we suffer for Jesus? And, yo, you know, college kids, like, they think they're all that. So I was like, ha, <laughs> I'm going to show you. Man, I was going to show them what's up. But a great theologian humbled me. Her name's Katie Vinson. Uh, she's actually, yeah, there's a picture of her. She's actually one of our church members. Um, but she said, but Pastor IJ, if we suffer for Christ, then it's not suffering. If it's for Christ, if selflessness and sacrificial love, if it's all about Christ, isn't that a joy? Uh, I never ended a Bible study so quick. <laughs> I had like four questions up, but I was like, hey guys, let's pray. You know, I'm all zoomed out. Glory to God, blah, blah, blah. But she is absolutely right. Katie Vincent was and is absolutely right. Because selflessness and sacrificial love is not suffering. That's not a life of oppression. It's a life of liberation. It is an absolute joy. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. And I miss that point time and time again. Um, I'm going to kind of share with you some personal struggles that I had in ministry. Because I totally get how tiring this might seem. Selflessness, sacrificial love, that's mad tiring. Where's my joy? My friend asked me one time, he's like, yo, do pastors get pay raises or bonuses by any chance? I was like, you didn't know? Dude, we get pay raises and bonuses every month. It's called suffering. That was my mindset. I was like, yo, ministry sucks. But being a youth pastor, it doubly sucks. Why? We get double crucifixion. We get crucified by parents and kids. Let me tell you something. Being a youth pastor at times, you could feel like the dog of the church. It's like you're treated well to be an entertaining pet for the kids, but don't cross a certain line. Personally for me, my first year at Metro was so hard. Two of my friends quit ministry. They became, and to me, I just felt so hopeless because I'm like, when am I next? Are we just statistics of all the pastors that quit? It really took a toll on my spirit. First week at Metro, I have four people tell me to make, ask them to make me tea. I'm going to make you tea. It was really hard just being the youngest of the bunch. A lot of times I got gaslighted from my experience. It's like, dude, just get over it. It's in your head. It was just hard for me. And let's be real. Like, I was, I mean, I'm just being honest, but a part of me was like, but God, me being a pastor... My job description is selflessness and sacrificial love. Would you ever hire a pastor that's not? So I was so self-righteous. I was like, God, I deserve joy. Where's my joy? Why am I just suffering? I'm selfless. I exemplify sacrificial love. Give me joy. But I missed the point. I thought joy was only on the happenings of life. 
I thought joy was something I can earn. But joy is an absolute gift from God. The joy that I missed was the joy of seeing my kids come to know Jesus. The joy that I missed was that I'm, it's not that I'm going to uh, reap the fruits of my labor, but the joy is that my kids will reap the fruits of our labor, that they're going to one day know Christ. The joy is partaking in what God did for me and sharing that with others. The joy is Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about how much selflessness I can show or the sacrificial love I have, but it's about God. I know things are rough, and it can feel so tiring. A lot of us are real zoomed out. Maybe you just want to give up. But don't give up, but do pursue the heart of God. American Christianity, it allows you to pick and choose the parts of the gospel. But this ain't no white American sitcom. We can't have the crowns of God until we embrace the cross of God. And as theologian Katie Vincent said, all of that, it's a joy because it's all about Jesus. Jesus Christ exemplified perfect selflessness. He exemplified perfect sacrificial love. But he's more than just an example. Look to this beautiful God. He is the God of selflessness and the God of sacrificial love. And ultimately, he is the God of joy. And church, the reason I'm reminding you to look to Jesus and not do more, if you don't know the gospel message, you will take any good and godly teaching by good and godly people and it turns into a godless message. If we practice selflessness and sacrificial love, but you don't worship and pursue the God of selflessness and the God of sacrificial love, that's a godless message. You want to feel good about yourself? And you want to feel like, I could change the world. I could do it. Go watch a TED Talk. You don't need God. You want five ways to be selfless and sacrificial because I'm a good human being, but not Jesus? You don't need God. Go read a self-help book. But if you want to pursue the heart of God, if you want to know the heart of God, if you want to not just possess these qualities and exemplify selfless and sacrificial, but you actually want to pursue the God behind it, if you want to have this unspeakable gift called joy and to pursue that joy with a pandemic, without a pandemic, through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the disgust, only God can do that. You can't find joy. You can't have joy. Only God can do that. Who can you look to but God? So let's look to this God. Because who else are you going to turn to? I'm going to end this sermon by reading Hebrews 12, verse 2. So looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, was seated at the right hand of God. Let's look at the heart of God. Let's pursue the heart of God. Let's look to Jesus 
Let's pursue Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are the God of grace, mercy, and love. And God, as we learn today, God, help us to, yes, exemplify selflessness and exemplify sacrificial love. But God, more than exemplifying these things, God, bring us to our knees where we actually worship you and pursue you. It's not just about how much more we can do, but God, help us to pursue you, the God of selflessness, the God of sacrificial love, the God of joy. You are the God of grace, mercy, and love. Can you remind us over and over it's not about us, it's about you. You are the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of love. And I pray in your son's name, amen. Um, we got a couple next steps. Um, so the first next step is, um, you know, where is it? Oh yeah, I'm committing myself to Jesus for the first time. Um, I, I really want to invite you to that. This sermon, it's not, I'm not convincing you. I'm not trying to convince or debate with you. I'm sharing with you this God. And I really hope you can commit your life to this God, a God of grace, mercy, and love. The second next step, um, I will join and consistently participate in a summer small group. Please join these summer small groups. You cannot pursue God on your own. We need community. Stay and fight for our church. Join a small group. Be a part of this community. And last but not least, I will take part in sacred space on July 19th. If I didn't emphasize it enough, I'm going to emphasize it again. Put that on your calendars. July 19th, sacred space. Please be there. Showing up is half the battle. And when you don't show up, even if you don't mean it, the message that goes across for our brothers and sisters is that we don't care, but we do care because God cares. 